Thank you, worship team. Appreciate y'all. You really do a magnificent job, even though your mama didn't help you this morning. And we missed her too. <clears throat> Last week, I talked to you about faith, and I'm continuing that message this morning because, of course, I didn't finish. If I had the rest of the year, I still wouldn't finish. Probably because I wouldn't get enough, but I don't. Uh, it's a lot more difficult now than it was 10 years ago, <laughs> for me anyway. I prayed this morning that the Holy Spirit would touch you. Last week, I talked to you about the Holy Spirit a little bit. Do you remember that? Some of y'all remember that? This is not open for discussion or opinion. It was given by revelation, therefore I don't question it. It wasn't given to me by revelation. It was given to someone else, and they gave it to me, and I accepted it by faith. And I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we kind of know Jesus. We kind of know him from the Scripture and all that he said in the Gospels. And we know a little bit about the Father. And we have the whole Old Testament to reveal a lot about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then little verses were taken out of the Old Testament and amplified and a little bit of new historical, historical data was placed to make what we call a New Testament and some practical teachings on the way we live. That's what the New Testament is. But the Holy Spirit, I told you, some, some things that are just crazy. I mean, nobody, I've never heard this, anybody else preach this in my lifetime. But the Holy Spirit, I told you about five foot seven to nine feet tall. And I told you that for a reason. Not just because that's who he is. And he came here on the earth to bring forth Jesus Christ and to witness to him. But he, he completely lived in Jesus' body when he was here. That is the fa Father Son and Holy Spirit manifested himself physically here on this earth. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amazing thing. It's just amazing. And he did it because he wanted to communicate with us. I told you that the Holy Spirit was this size because when he went over the... And I told you about his speed, about how he... He moves. Maybe the start of the speed of energy is 186,000 miles a second. Is that right? Huh? Speed of, light. speed of light. That's the starting point of his speed. That I mean, I don't know where it goes beyond that. But somewhere out there is the speed. So you can imagine last week when the kids, kids listened to me real carefully this morning because you're on in a few minutes. 
And the kids lined up over here and they held these little lights. And I ask you to watch from the first light to the end light to see if you could see which one turned on first and how the electricity went down that line and turned on these different little lights that you held. And so I plugged it in, pushed that little switch, and the lights came on, and none of y'all could see that there was a progression of electricity there. It's because out to here, which is about from that bench to here, is where we were measuring electricity. And 186 miles, 1,000 miles a second, well, you can't tell the difference there. <laughs> we can hardly tell the difference between here and the sun. And it takes eight minutes to get, the light takes to get from here to the sun. So you can imagine how the Holy Spirit has already visited with us this morning, and a lot of you right now. I'm asking you to have faith in what I'm saying as the Word of God. That's difficult. It's hard for you to have faith in the Scripture. It's hard for you to have faith in any word. But when a person speaks it, it's even more difficult. Because who's the most important person to you? <laughs> you are. Somebody said, it doesn't matter what other people think. They don't. You're thinking of yourself. So whatever they think of you doesn't matter that much. You're so busy thinking about yourself, you don't have time except to worry about whatever else, everybody else is thinking. And it doesn't make any difference. So I ask you to recognize that the Holy Spirit is here to manifest Jesus Christ and to witness to him this morning. How can he do such a thing? It's because by the speed of whatever he travels in, he's going to each one of you. That's, that's why we, we deal with such a, an unthinkable amount of information that comes through the Holy Spirit. He ministers to everybody in here, and we've just got, if I count to two, one, two, how many times has he already been to see us? It's like he's always there. It's like every minute of the day he's personally dealing with us. The other reason that I told you something that you probably won't hear very much about, the size of the Holy Spirit, is because not only is the Holy Spirit this size, but it makes him personal. He personally can go and fit into you like he did in Jesus. He's, he's personal. The Holy Spirit is personal. Have you ever thought of that? You think of the Holy Spirit as some sort of a cloud out there or maybe a fog that covers the whole earth or maybe, I don't know how you think of him, but it's not true. I don't want you to believe lies about God. I want you to believe the truth. I want you to know that Jesus was revealed by the Holy Spirit. And when Peter said that, that Jesus was the Christ, and he said, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, that is, none of them revealed it to, 
to Peter. It was the Holy Spirit that came personally inside of him to reveal it to him in his mind. Now, the mind is a lot more capable than we think. If you can receive something at the speed of light in your brain when the Holy Spirit happens to visit, maybe he only gives you one word at a time, but whatever he's doing, it comes out as a, as a lump of knowledge to you. You actually know something because the Holy Spirit revealed it to you. It's an amazing thing. So, <clears throat> I repeat the prayer. Holy Spirit, come and minister to people in this room now by the power that he has to reveal Jesus Christ to us. <clears throat> Let's experiment with that. If you actually sensed or know or felt or think that the Holy Spirit ministered to you, witness to it. Stand up if you believe that. If you actually believe that he touched you, he doesn't have to, but if he did and you sensed it. He's still speaking, by the way. Okay, we've witnessed, you may be seated. We've witnessed to the presence of God. It's what you actually did. I, I asked Greg if he would let us pray for him again this morning. This is very tender to me. I expect Greg to be healed by the power of God. And he's trying to do it. So for Children's Church, I'm asking the children to come over and pray for him. Pray for your grandfather. Children, come over and gather around. <clears throat> That's okay. You could be seated there, Greg. You've seen the adults pray for people. You do the same thing. Lay your hands on him. You don't have to pray out loud, but start praying that he would be healed. And if anybody wants to pray out loud, you can. Yeah. Good. Think of a prayer that you can pray that God heal. Thank you, children. You go back and sit down. Don't quit praying. Just go sit down. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
kind of in review, we, we have a body and we have a soul and we are a spirit. I am a spirit and I have a body and a soul. And <clears throat> God has a body, a soul, and a spirit. God has a, a revelation to us in our body, soul, and spirit. Our flesh wars against the spirit, and the soul is the battleground. Your spirit is that part of you that knows. You, you know God. That's your spirit. In the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, it explains how the God reveals himself to our spirit, and our spirit witnesses that God is. The way we even can know one another is our spirit knows the spirit of, of another person. And we begin to know one another like that. And as the body of Christ, you begin to share in that knowledge of, of God living in us. And, the, <clears throat> and so a body, soul, and spirit is, is kind of the um, understanding, the base of what everything is, what happens. So, <clears throat> we talked a little bit about creation last week and how when we pray, we pray that we, first of all, worship God. Why do we say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name? We, we're worshiping him because, and that may take a lot longer than that simple phrase that's just an outline. Because we're, we're crucifying self and coming alive to God. We're stepping back and letting him be God. We're recognizing God as the father and creator of heaven and earth. We're seeing God. We're worshiping him by recognizing that he's above us. And then as we begin to pray because he's bigger than us, we begin to pray until we're bigger than the problem we're praying for. And I mentioned that if you have a sore toe, you may have to pray a while before you believe that God is bigger than the sore toe. Now, that's not too much. That's why you have to have at least a mustard seed of faith. And God's given that as a gift. So we're continuing to go into the faith world because we meet God by faith. I told you last week that Adam and Eve were created here on the earth and there was no faith. Nobody had any faith. I don't know what all happened here on the earth, how many people were created after Adam and Eve or how many children they had before the ones we know about. But in the Word of God, it, it talks about them and about how they named everything. I mentioned that their brain must have been some incredible instrument to be able to name everything on the earth. They may have done it in Latin. So we have good heritage there. But then they sinned. And when they sinned, then death was introduced, and then the separation took place. Death is separation. 
So they were separated from God. They began to try to hide. And the reason why that's so important is, is because that's where God gave the gift of faith after that they had sinned. So faith overcomes sin. So we're talking about some of the problems this morning on sin. What questions I've had from some of the people in this group is that, well, I've accepted Jesus Christ. I've, I've completely done everything I know how to do, and I'm still vexed. I'm still bothered. I still have sin. I still, I do things wrong. Let me tell you that sin, that Christians sin all that they want to. If you sin, you sin as much as you want to sin. Nobody sins more than they want to sin. Is that alarming? (laughs) As Christians, now I'm not talking about the world, they're never out of sin. A person that hasn't been invaded by God is not a believer and God has borne them again to himself has no choice. That's all they know is sin. It doesn't matter how good they are. doesn't matter how refined they are. doesn't matter how much education they have. None of those things make any difference. They're a pile of dung, according to Paul. Everything out before we know Jesus is sin. You were born in sin conceived in sin and sin is a part of your nature and you have a bent towards sin and you will naturally sin you don't have to teach a baby how to have a temper you don't teach them to be selfish and only want their own way when their mother's exhausted and wants to get a little bit of rest or when she gets on the phone or whatever the mother wants to do the child has a different idea you don't have to teach him to be that way You don't have to teach your children to be disobedient or something. You have to teach them to be obedient. You have to teach them to be pleasant. You have to teach them to be righteous. You have to teach them these things. And all that does is lays a foundation that makes a Christian life a little easier. It doesn't mean that God can't take a wretched, twisted, damaged person that's that's the meanest person on the earth and can't make them a Christian and change them. But it's a lot harder for them than it is somebody that was raised in a Christian home that has at least a foundation, at least been taught yes or no sir in the right way to do things and can step up with some kind of respect. It's a lot easier on that kind of a person to begin to live the Christian life, they may make it a lot further than the person who had no, no help at all. But they still end up at the same place. God still moves in the same way. And he loves us just the same. Talking about the sin problem, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we're placed in a situation to where we can't help from sin. 
and we sin, and we create more and more death in our life because that's all we can do. That's all, that's all that sin does. The wages of sin is death. So we, when we sin, we're, our, our reward for that is we get death. We get death, we get separation right now. And so what do we do as Christians? Once you've accepted Jesus Christ, things change. You become a child of God. Faith is involved now. You have the gift of faith. God gives you a gift of faith. And you're capable of using that faith to connect you with your creator, with God himself. And he acts that way and works that way. And all you have to do is trust him, is to believe him, is to accept him. All of that is faith. And so when we, we become a Christian, sometimes there's a honeymoon time when we first become a Christian, and we sort of are pretty perfect for a while, and all our prayers get answered, and things pretty colorful for a little while. And then reality hits, and our nature is being dealt with. The difference is, before you're a Christian, you're condemned to death and hell forever. That's the best God can do for you. That's all he's got for you. But after you, you believe in Jesus Christ, you can be saved. You don't need to repent. You don't need to dedicate. You don't need to consecrate. You don't need to do anything. All you do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you become a child of his. That's, that's automatic in the belief. After the belief, you're no longer a sinner. You're no longer a godless, bound for hell being that's walking around this earth doing everything selfishly for your and evil in your life. It's all selfishness is evil. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ, everything is different. I mean totally it's a whole new testament for you, whole new testimony. You become the child of God and he no longer treats you like an outsider. You're his child. You're treated now as the son. You're treated as, a, as his son, and he deals with you on your behavior and on your sins, and you have an opportunity to take care of the work that was done on the cross and to accept it. That's when repentance really works. You've accepted Jesus, and boy, can you repent. I don't know what happens, but... For so many of us, pages and pages of sin came to my mind when I became a Christian. And I confessed and began confessing. Now, I haven't finished yet, but I started. And I got through some of them. And God's blood actually is shed to 
forgive me of my sin. So my faith is in Jesus Christ. I had a sin of, of let's say we have a sin of, of uh, anger. <clears throat> we confess our sin of anger. Well, you can confess all the results of your anger, like throwing a picture across the wall or slamming your foot down and saying a few words. You can confess all that. Those are sins. But at some point, it's too big a problem, and you don't seem to have gotten rid of anger. You still have the ability to get mad at something. And so what you do is you finally get to where you just surrender that to God. This is part of the work of the, of, of the father with his son, you know, dealing with me. He says, well, let's take care of that problem of, and you dedicate that to me. I, I, I consecrate myself and I give my anger to God. And then I discover, oh, no, I left out lust. Well, we'll put that on the altar, too. And so I put that on the altar. The altar sanctifies the gift. Now, can you imagine? Here's the Father, the perfect, the light of lights, standing there with his own altar. And we're giving him our sins. Can you imagine what a gift that is to him? I can imagine the father sitting there. <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> and so I'll give him my lies. I'll put them on the altar. Pretty soon all he has is all the sin we've committed. That's what we give to God. And God's supposed to do something for us. Why didn't he just go, well, tired of messing with this stuff? But we continue and he continues to give. He continues to forgive us for everything we bring there to dedicate to him. But we continue to give our, our sins to a holy and beautiful God that loves us. And he continues to forgive us and to sanctify us from all our sins. But we don't overcome our sins by giving them to God. We don't overcome our sins by getting them covered by the, the blood. We don't overcome our sins by the, the actions that we do. I gave you some scripture to put up. Nathan, could you put that up there? We overcome the sins by our faith in God's word. That's the only way to do it. As long as you fight with the sins, you won't get anywhere. You won't win. You won't be able to overcome a sickness or a sin or anything else if that's what you're dealing with. You're not bigger than the sin, or you wouldn't be defeated by it. You're not bigger than the illness, or you wouldn't be defeated by it. You're not 
defeated by those things because of, of your concern and care or anything. You're defeated because of the lack of faith in the proper thing. What's the faith in the right thing? Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Everything that happens is to those who believe. Believing what? Not believing in the sin. You don't have to believe in sin. It'll be around. You believe in the word of God that Jesus paid the price. The next scripture, before the coming of this faith, we were in the custody under the law, locked up until that faith was to come, should be revealed. So the revelation was Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit ministers that to us so that we can know him by believing in his word. He Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There is no other faith. You don't have faith in your ability to overcome. That won't get you anywhere. You have ability in what God said, and that makes the difference. That's what wins. Keep going. And the law was our, was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. So Christ did come. He did manifest himself to us. Everybody in here, I think, has accepted Jesus Christ. And in accepting Christ, he justifies us. And that now that this faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. That is the guardian of sin or under the guardian over sin. But, in Jesus Christ, you are all children of God through faith. Amazing thing. God's not dealing with us any longer as, the, as sinners. He's dealing with us as his own children. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now, <clears throat> baptized is, we're not talking about water here. We're talking about being baptized into Christ himself. That is, you're, you're put under Christ. And the symbol of that is getting under the water in baptism by water. But, but what actually happens, the thing that's significant is that you're under Christ. You've recognized Christ as Lord. So if Jesus is Lord... You're not Lord. That's a shock to some of us. But if Jesus is Lord, we're under him, we're submitted to him, we're committed to him, and Jesus himself becomes Lord of our lives. And he said he'd send the comforter to do all the work for us to be able to understand and believe that. So in, in such a thing, we're praying in faith. Now, some of the children that prayed actually understand some of these things. But some of the children that prayed don't understand anything. Only the Holy Spirit can minister through them. Craig. Only the Holy Spirit. That's what they were dedicated for. 
We limit ourselves because we get so caught up in what we know and what we don't know and how to do it and plans and procedures. We have so many gadgets and things that we trust in. We have so many mind things, so much thinking, so many wrong ideas that we have to undo with the renewing of our mind in Christ Jesus that it blocks our faith in a thousand ways. But God can heal. God can forgive us of our sin. God can take power over anything in our life that's unholy. And he deals with these things, and he wants to deal with them. And the only thing that you'll ever be tempted about as a Christian are the things that have a handle on them. If you've got a, you know, if we have a, uh, if my sin is electric plugs, somewhere I've got a handle on that thing. Maybe not very much, but a little bit. And he can't deal with me if I don't. He's not going to deal with me about electric plugs if I don't have one. But if my sin is the electric plug, then whatever I do here, he's, I've got a hold on it somehow. I like that sin. Christians sin all they want to sin. We do everything we want to do. Our priorities begin to change. Our, our hopes and fears begin to, to deal with some of our problems. And everything is based in our selfishness. But God forgives us. He actually accepts us. And what is his great work? What's the great work of God? To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that's the only work you have to do. So if we're believing God, if we're actually have an unwavering connection with God, we actually believe like Jesus believed in the Holy Spirit that was in him when he stepped out on the water. No wonder he could walk on water. If I step out on water, I think I'm going to get my shoes muddy or dirty. And I'm thinking, I think about a lot of things. I don't think about walk. I don't think about things like Jesus did. But I can. I can have Jesus as my Lord. That'd be a great thing. Let's pray. In preparation for prayer. Would you believe that the Holy Spirit can come in you and manifest Jesus so that you can actually know him? Would you believe in his presence in you right now? Would you just take him at his word? And then the gifts that you're asking for that goes with that prayer, 
can come true. Father, I thank you for your holy word. We're not under the taskmaster of the law any longer, even though it protected us until we could know you. And you're our father. You're the very God of all creation that chooses to love us as a child. We're grateful to be adopted into your household. We're grateful for your presence. You're a wonderful God. We're so grateful this morning and thankful for who you are and who you are to us that you've revealed yourself to us through your Son and your Word is your Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.